This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Thank you so much for being here. For the sake of the television who doesn't know exactly what day it is, it is November 2nd, and it's Friday, and we're just after sundown, and so would you allow me, on behalf of all of our friends in Pittsburgh and the rest of the world, to say Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for being here. We are here 
to celebrate music, to celebrate life through music. And you just heard the beginning of Tandun's Water Concerto. Now, you know what a concerto is, right? It's a, con a concerto is a piece for solo instrument and orchestra or ensemble of some sort. And you've heard them before. You've heard piano concertos. You've heard violin concertos. You've heard cello concertos. Did you ever think you were going to hear a water concerto? How do you practice a water concerto? Uh, for the younger people in the audience, and I will include myself among those, I would say the first and best training you can get is to wash dishes. <laughs> that may become, become as welcome news for, for everybody. Uh, but we want to show you a little bit about what it means to play a water concerto, and I'll do that in just a second. But I think we have to welcome a very special guest to our stage, because instead of conducting this piece, I am playing it. So could we give a hand, please, to Michael Gertis, who is our system conductor. And of course, to the La Jolla Symphony. Thank you very much, friends. Well, that's such a nice moment. I hope you don't mind if I just get a selfie with you. Just one second. I want to re remember this moment. Hang on. I wasn't looking at the camera. There we go. Thank you very much. I'll keep that just to remember. Um, let me show you a little bit about what a water concerto is. You heard the opening. Have you ever seen an instrument like this? Do you know what this is called? This is the strangest thing. It's called a water phone. And you would think because there's water in it, but no, the man who invented it, his name is Water. Can you believe it? And so he made a water phone that he puts water in. I mean, that, that, guy, that guy's got some consistency in life, I have to say. And we can play it in a lot of different ways. Fiona, would you please play it by bowing it? This is Fiona Digny, one of the soloists. Let's give Fiona a hand. What you're hearing are those spines, or the tines, they're of different lengths, so when you bow them you get different notes, just like you would get a different note if you bowed a string of a different length. Now, this is Rebecca Lloyd-Jones, another of our soloists. <laughs> Rebecca, do you mind playing it with a stick and so we can hear the different sounds? Well, that's just plain creepy. That's just weird, right, that sound, right? We can make all of these different sounds. Now, I have quite a number of things here that I'd like to show you, but before I do that, I'll have to put my microphone down. I wonder if, Rebecca, since we're, we're asking you, would you mind playing a little bit of the, with the glasses, what we call the tube drums here, or the water drums, exactly. Just play. Now, Rebecca has studied for years to be a percussionist, right? So she's, so first of all, I'm sorry <laughs> that we're asking you to do this. No, I'm not really. Uh, but imagine that the water is kind of like a drum. So instead of hitting the surface of the drum, you're hitting the surface of the water, and that makes the sound. And so there's a, there's a moment in the piece, which you will, you will hear if you come to the concert tomorrow, where all three of us are playing a rhythm together with those, with those, with those cups. Uh, Fiona, would you mind demonstrating the what the tube? Do you have your do you have your implement? Oh yeah, look what look what she's going to play that with. That is the mallet of choice here in Southern California, a flip flop. Does everybody know why that makes that sound that changes that way? When you lower the tube in the water, you basically shorten the amount of air that resonates, you shorten the instrument, you make it higher and lower that way. And so we use the tube and there is a moment where all three, all, we all have flip-flops. <laughs> this one is a little worse for wear. Now I'm going to put my uh, microphone down so I can show you a couple of instruments that I get to play uh, all by myself because I've got this uh, spot in the center. The first one, uh, Caitlin, I did, we weren't going to ask you to do this, but couldn't we just play the beginning of the second movement just a little bit? So if you start with the end of your sort of vibrato solo, that would be great. This is a gong, and I'm going to raise and lower it into water. Caitlin will play. Thank you. 
fantastic. First of all, Kate is being she's a spectacular player. And this note of this gong is G. But by lowering it into the water, I can make it lower, and so I can play the same melody that the cello plays with a gong and water. Um, there are these cowbells. These are agogo bells. We each, all of us have them. These are African bells, and they, they make a cowbell kind of sound, but watch what happens. everything. Now, we're, we'll play a, a slightly longer passage of the piece with the orchestra for you right now, but let's just think for a little bit about why water. When Tan Dun was growing up in China, where he was born and raised, he talks about walk, watching his family, his mother, who, who boiled water, who washed clothes in water, and how much a part of everyday life water really was. And of course, it's a part of our everyday life also. And so he writes a piece for something that everybody has and yet at the same time is in such short supply. You know, we live in the desert basically, right? So water is a little hard to come by, harder and harder sometimes. And clean water to drink in the world is also hard to come by. So it's both the thing that everybody can have and it's also this precious commodity. The other thing I love about the water, if you watch an oboe concerto, it's a beautiful thing. But when the oboist picks up the oboe, or the violist picks up the viola, or the cello, cellist picks up the cello, you can kind of imagine playing it, but most of you have never played the oboe, I would imagine, or played the cello, or played the viola, but everybody in this room, probably today, at some point or another, has had her or his fingers in water. So when I play this, you can all really imagine what it feels like, what it sounds like. We all have an experience with it. So it's the most universal concerto that I know. And with that in mind, we would like to play the second movement of Tandon's Water Concerto for you. It's right, obviously, from the middle of the piece, and it features a lot of the sounds you've just heard. And it's about seven or eight minutes long. So we hope you enjoy it. You'll get a little cadenza solo from me, and you'll hear the orchestra. So thank you very much for being here. This is the second movement of Tandon's Water Concerto.
Fantastic. 
Great. Uh, we're going to change scenes all together right now, and we're going to go from China in the early 20th century to Paris and Russia in the, in, uh, in actually China in the early 21st century, pardon me, to Paris and Russia in the early 20th century and play a little bit of Stravinsky's Petrushka for you. But before that, let's thank Michael, let's thank the orchestra, let's thank Rebecca, and let's thank Jeremy. Now here's one thing, as we are playing these next uh, pieces, would you, if you want, think of some questions for us? Because I'm happy to, Rebecca and Fiona are happy to answer, Michael can, members of the orchestra can, and uh, we'd like to just talk to you a little bit. But before that, we'll play a little bit more music for you, if you don't mind. We're going to 1911, when Igor Stravinsky, the great Russian composer who was living in Paris at the time and writing ballet music predominantly for the Serge Diaghilev Ballet Russe uh, Ballet Company, wrote, he wrote three great ballets in this period of time. The Firebird, which was the first of his three, Petrushka, which uh, you're about to hear sections of right now, and the infamous Rite of Spring, which caused one of the biggest riots in the musical world by having everybody object to it at the same time. It was quite a, must have been quite a scene. The story of Petrushka, more or less, is that you, the piece opens at a fair. It opens at a fair and all kinds of things are happening. You can hear an organ grinder, you can hear people rushing by, you can hear crowds and children screaming and playing. Everybody's happy, everybody's delighted. Someplace, at this, in this moment, three puppets come to life and they then dance the rest of the ballet. And so if you listen carefully, you can hear some moments when those puppets come to life. But let's start by playing the opening section of Petrushka for you, and you can hear the sounds of joyous fairgoers uh, kicking up their heels. Here's the beginning of Petrushka.
Ladies and gentlemen. I don't know about you, but that first of all sounds like an exciting fair, and uh, it was a good way to warm up. So, a lot of things going on. Did you hear the organ grinder, for example? Well, if you didn't, let's listen to it one more time, really quickly. Let's take our first organ grinder episode. Uh, you didn't know we were going to do this, did you? That's, it's always exciting. Can we take it, please, in uh, the pickup to the third bar of nine? I want you to hear the organ grinder. I'm sorry, I didn't tell the orchestra we were going to do this, but it's just between us, right, that we're going to play a little bit of this, this beautiful little theme, and I'll just conduct it out in time. Pick up to the third bar of nine, and it's one, two. Thank you very much. Can you hear It doesn't sound like modern music. It sounds like you're at a party, and that's exactly where you are. Now, speaking of parties, the very next thing that happens in the ballet is that the three puppets come to life and they begin to dance with one another in a section of the piece that is called, I guess appropriately given that Stravinsky was a Russian composer, the Russian dance. And we'd like to play that for you now. And after that, we'll take a couple of questions and see what you want to know from us. with you, I have to tell you, it's amazing. So what exactly is a symphony orchestra? You get ready to ask your questions in a, in a second, but let me answer at least one thing that you may be wondering. First of all, it is an ensemble of between, I think, 50, probably at our very smallest piece, and we once had 400 people on this stage and on either side, so it's, it can get from, from quite uh, a modest size to an enormous size, all of those people doing the same thing, bringing music together at the same time. 
the orchestra consists of sections. We have over here the violins. First violins and second violins, they very often play uh, large parts of the melody in the upper registers, and you'll hear them um, playing those, those, that music. Peter Clark is our concertmaster. That means he's the leader both of the violins, but essentially of the orchestra. When the, when the orchestra gets tired of watching me, they watch Peter. Actually, you don't even wait to get tired of watching me. You just watch Peter anyway, and that's how they know to stay together. So we work very closely together. We have, as the alto voice of the strings, the violas, we have the cellos, and we have the contrabasses. But in this concert, that, those are not the only strings we see, because we have two harps. We have an abundance of harp riches uh, for the Stravinsky Petrushka because it is such a colorful piece. So we have harps in, in amongst the string section. We also have a large percussion set. You can see all the percussionists there. Timpani over here played by Mike, all the percussionists. We also have Lessie playing piano and Loie playing celesta. The celesta is like a set of bells. Loie, would you just play the celesta just a little bit? Makes you want to go to sleep, doesn't it? It's so pretty. Uh, but that's not what happens here. We stay wide awake. But it's a very kind of angelic sound. Then we have winds and brass. We have flutes, we have oboes, we have clarinets, and we have bassoons. And they sit in the center part of the wind section. And they provide the kind of heart of the ensemble. In fact, the principal winds set, sit right next to one another as a quartet, the first flute, the first oboe, the first clarinet, and the first bassoon, so they can really hear each other. So if you're a principal wind player, you have a large responsibility in addition to just playing your music, you will have, you're a leader of the, of the ensemble. We also have brass. We have trumpets. Where are you trumpets? We never, we normally don't have to ask because we know where they're coming from. There they are fantastic. And uh, of course, we have the horns. Let's see, the, let's see your horns up there. Fantastic, great, oh yeah, ooh, ah. And then, was there anybody? No, oh, of course, the trombones and the tuba. <laughs> there they are, the low brass. And when the whole ensemble gets rocking and everybody's playing, it's an extraordinary sound, don't you think? It really is. Now, I think if we had a little bit of light, you might be able to find your way to the microphone, which is on this side of the stage, and then if there is anybody with a question for us, we would be so happy to try to answer it. Does anybody have a question? Then walk over to the microphone and ask away. And use the aisles if you can. We're going to take, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, so you know, we'll take about five to eight questions. You know, I've got a flight on Wednesday, so... Uh, Could you ask your question so that I can hear you? Um, um, why does the tuba make a boo sound? Why does... Did you say moo sound or boo sound? Moo. Oh, yeah. So why does the tuba make the moo sound? Ken? <laughs> it, <laughs> the most beautiful answer in the world, it just does. So... <laughs> It makes a lot of other sounds, and in fact, you'll hear some amazing tuba sounds. So that's why. That's the sound that the instrument makes. Can we have the next questioner, please? You asked what you wanted. I think that's fantastic. Why does a, why does a harp have um, different colored strings? Now, that is a fantastic question. I'm going to come over. Uh, I'm going to play Oprah here. I'm going to come right over here with my microphone. Why does the harp have different colored strings? All red strings, they are C's, and all black, they're F's. So I can understand which ones. That's a fantastic answer, because when you look at the strings of the harp, if you're that close, you can't tell what note is what. So you have C's and F's marked by red and black strings, and that's how you know. The harp also, by the way, has pedals, so you can change the note and get actually three different kinds of notes out of it. So it's a really interesting instrument, and it's, you use both your hands and your feet to play the harp. Can we have our next question? These, I love these questions. It's fantastic. What does Tandun mean? What does Tandun mean? Yeah. Tandun is the name of the person who wrote the piece. That is his name. You might know uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was a film about 15 years ago. Tandun won the Academy Award for the soundtrack of that film. So you have heard his music probably, even if you didn't know you had that. That's the name of the composer, exactly. And I love the short questions, especially when I know the answers. 
take it to make this go together? That is another great question. Um, who am I going to ask this question to? Caitlin, you've been victimized already today. How long did it take to get this thing to all go together? I would say about four weeks. About four weeks of regular work, and then people were practicing beforehand, so there's a lot of hours of work involved in this. Yeah, we've been working for about four weeks, exactly. Thank you very much. Which is which instrument? Uh, the Take your pick. Uh, let's see. What instrument would you like to know? The piano. Let's see. What is the? What is? The, do you know what the piano is? It's got. A, it's it's a machine that makes beautiful sounds. And it is. Do you mind my crawling at a machine? Let's see. That's horrible. It's a. It's a. It's an instrument that has 88 keys, and when you play them, you can play uh, 10 notes at once, or sometimes even more. And they can play. The, the piano can basically play all of the sounds that the orchestra can play. Do you mind just playing that little bit from the, from the Russian dance, just so we hear? Listen to this. That's amazing. Ten fingers worth of dancing. That's astonishing. That's great. Uh, let's have another question, please. Those drums in the water? Oh, I should probably take those out before they get too waterlogged, right? You want to know what they are? If you take them out, do they make a different sound? That, you are a percussionist, aren't you? <laughs> because this is what every percussionist wonders all the time. What sound does it make if you hit it? Let me show you. <laughs> kind of a boring sound, right? But you put it here. It's very different. These are gourds purchased by yours truly uh, in northern San Diego County and cut and hollowed out. And the first month I practiced with these gourds, there were seeds in the water every day, but now they're more or less clean. So these are not mu particularly musical instruments. This is just going to a field, picking out the gourd you like and cutting it and putting it in water. One more question. Oh, you've been waiting over here. Thank you so much. Let me come over here. What is your question, sir? Uh, those, uh, perhaps they're gongs. If I'm, is that what you're, when, when the, the instruments that Michael is pointing at? Those are gongs made in Thailand. Uh, Binchuan, let's play a scale on the gongs. And they're made in tune by hand by people in Thailand. Thank you. Uh, one more question from over here. I, did, I, wasn't, I, I didn't mean to ignore you. How long did the, how the, the violinist play the violin? That is a fantastic question. How yeah. long have the violinists played the violin? Pat? <laughs> when did you start studying the violin? Yes? When I was in third grade. Pat started in the third grade, uh, approximately 17 years ago. What? <laughs> but she's been practicing very hard. Most violinists, I, don't, I think this is safe to say, most string players start young. They start very young. I didn't start young as a percussionist. I really didn't become serious as a percussionist until I was 19. But most string players, if you start playing the violin when you're 19, you're definitely at the back of the pack. Let's put it that way. Let's take one more question from each side, sir. How many interesting instruments in total are there, including like the gourds and the flip-flops and stuff? I knew that I would get a question I didn't know the answer to. If you give me seven minutes, I'll count them. One. No, uh, I can tell you that in my studio, I have about 700 percussion instruments. I had about 700 percussion instruments, which is ironic, since my mother decided I should play the percussion instruments, play the drums, because when a sheet came home from the elementary school, it had a, a checklist for all of the instruments you might want to play, and next to the drums it said that the parents did not have to buy an instrument, just the sticks. My mother was very frugal, and she thought, great, we don't have to buy an instrument for Steve. Little did she know I would have acquired thousands over the course of my lifetime. I have 700 and some that I still use pretty much every day, so that was a little ironic. One more question over here. Why is the cello so big? Why is the cello so big? Because they are powerful, important people who play them. 
Is that about right? Did I get that? Let's play the end of the piece. We'd love to play the end of uh, Petrushka for you because you heard the carnival in the morning. Now a whole day has passed and we're going to revisit the carnival again in the evening. And let's hear, let's, let's hear if we can hear a difference in that, okay?
Let's thank them one more time, the La Jolla Symphony playing Stravinsky and Pandun. This is your orchestra. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very, very much for coming, for sharing this special moment to hear a little water, a little Petrushka, and to kick off our season in style. We always look forward to these concerts, and it's so wonderful that you're here. We're going to take a break now. We'll continue with the rest of our rehearsal. Of course, you're welcome to hang out and talk to us if you'd like, even listen to the rehearsal after our break if you care to. But our concert for the evening is over. Thank you very, very much for coming. Let's hear from Michael Curtis and for the La Jolla Symphony. been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.